Hey guys, it's Natalia, and you're listening to another episode of my podcast. This is a place where we talk a lot about native-like fluency and a system of exercises that can take you there. It has taken me there. To be honest, I'm still there. I'm still on it. I'm still doing all the same exercises that I share with all the people who come to work with me and all the students who want to learn according to the programs that I create. In this podcast, I would like to answer the question, actually, the question that people ask very often, and I see that this question creates a lot of confusion in people's minds. The question is this. Whenever people start a new course, or whenever people start my course, they get confused because they don't really understand how long it's going to take them. And most people want to know in advance. They want to know exactly how long it will take. They want to know exactly how much time they need to plan in their day to complete every exercise. They want to know exactly how many exercises they need to do on a certain day. They need to know exactly what time they got to be online to catch up with everything. And they want to know exactly how much homework they will be receiving. They're saying they want to estimate the workload to even make the decision. Are they going to take the course or not? Are they ready to commit to this program or not? This is what I want to talk about today. The commitment, the value, the learning process. You know, most people, when they look at the program, when they try the exercises, when they get the first results, they absolutely say, oh, this is something that I need. I see the value in this for myself. They come back to me and they share this. But then they ask the same question. How do I know if I can commit what if I start and I never derive any value from that? You know, one student of mine shared a very interesting analogy. He said, it feels like you're driving to a new location. You don't have the map. Someone told you just turn right here and then left and then just go straight ahead. And you follow the instruction and you keep driving straight ahead, but you just don't know how, how much longer. Are we there yet? Is it, is it what I'm supposed to be seeing? You're looking around. You do not recognize the location. You have never been there before. So you ask yourself, how much longer? How much longer am I supposed to drive? And when is it okay to stop? And I have a feeling that many people feel the same about the exercises they're supposed to be doing that they find in my programs. And it's not only about my programs. I'm going to talk about a lot of different things today and I would like to give you real world examples from my personal experience because I apply the same principles to learning any skill. And when I create my educational programs, I I understand that <laughs> they they're probably very different from what you have experienced before, from what many people have experienced before, many language learners in fact. I share with people a system of exercises that can take them to native-like fluency. I do not promise anything. I'm simply showing what I have been doing myself for many years, and I'm showing the things that have been working for me. I'm not a native speaker, and I do not promise any certificates. Native-like fluency is not a level that 
any test can prove. There is no test. There is no textbook. There are no academic criteria to tell you, oh, this is how many words you're supposed to know to, to prove that you have achieved native like fluency. This is how much grammar you're supposed to know. And this is how you're supposed to write. No, nothing like that. It's the quote-unquote level that begins when you have achieved all the other possible levels. And when you don't see the value for yourself in following textbooks or following certain programs that promise certain results any longer. It just doesn't make any more sense because you know. No one has told you that, but you know for sure and you know it very well deep inside that this doesn't make sense anymore. This doesn't take you anywhere any longer. Yes, you might memorize more words because there are always new words. There always will be new words that you don't know. You will learn some new grammar. There always will be things in the language that you still do not know and you will always be surprised. But does it really improve your fluency? Does it really bring you closer to speaking differently? thinking differently, understanding the culture and understanding the people who speak this language from birth? That's the question. And if we think about native-like fluency this way, we understand very clearly that it's an infinite process. There is no end point. There is no end goal here. No one will give you a certificate that says, congratulations, you have achieved native-like fluency. And here is where this question comes in. Okay, The learning process is infinite, but my day is finite, right? My life is finite. So how can I fit all this great infinite wisdom about learning the language all my life and life learn learning philosophy? How do I fit all this in my finite, very finite day? Because I'm busy and I have other things to do, but I still want to learn and I still want to figure out how I can learn best. You know, I realized after I'd heard so many people asking the same question that I don't really remember when I asked myself this question. I don't remember when exactly this question was acute for me. But it arises every single time I want to learn something new. It's always there. And because I think I've figured it out with other things, I apply the same strategy to whatever I'm trying to learn next. I'm not saying that I have a solution. I would like to share what I think about it, what I use, what I apply, and hopefully these principles and stories are going to help you uh, and probably they will give you insights into what you can do about your day and about your life. So how do we fit all this infinite goodness in our finite day? Let's start with the question itself. When you ask a question, how long will this take? We always need to ask How long will this take me? When you ask a question, how long will this program take? You're going to receive a very honest, straightforward answer. The program takes six months. The program takes two weeks. If you're a college student, you know for sure that the program is going to take two years. But if you ask, how long will this take me to master the program? How long will this take me to master a skill? No one is going to give you the answer. And because you don't ask a question like this, you're not getting the answer. You're asking the wrong question. When I started asking, how long will this take me? I realized that there are no people I can ask this question. I should ask myself. 
let's take an example of a child who's learning to walk. We know that on average, children start walking at around 12 months. But some children start walking earlier at around eight months. But some children are a bit slower and they start walking once they're 12, 14, 15 months even. So when you have a child, you cannot really ask your pediatrician, at what age will my child start walking? They will give you a range. They will give you an estimate. But there is no way anyone can tell you at what day exactly and your child will start walking and how old will your child be exactly when they make the first confident step. Or let's talk about adults. How long does it take a university graduate to find a job? Well, it really depends, right? <laughs> At what age do people usually start working after they got a degree? Or maybe before they got a degree or maybe at the same time or how long does it take a person to find their calling sometimes it takes a lifetime right sometimes it takes a few sessions with a lifetime coach these are just the wrong questions if we take the average numbers we can say that on average a university graduate finds a job within three or four months after graduation some students, some brilliant, good students, get noticed before they even get their degree and they get job offers before they even have a chance to finish college. And some people take years to find a job that they really like. We have to ask, how long will it take me to find a career that I like? And honestly, no one can answer these questions. Even you cannot answer these questions. Probably you can't answer them right now even. And if you ask a college graduate whether he or she has answers to these questions, they will also have no clue whatsoever. When you ask yourself a question, how long will it take me to learn English or to learn any foreign language, to achieve real fluency in my target language, even you will not have the answer because you have never been there. You have never been fluent, that fluent. You have never felt that you're doing the task of your life. You're doing the job that you were born to do, right? Or if you're a college graduate and you have never worked in your life, you've never had a job, then you also don't know what it feels like to get a job that you like or just to be working for someone to be employed if you want something very badly and it's a good thing to have this burning desire to achieve something but you have never been there you don't really know what it feels like what it takes how it is over there what people will be surrounding you you don't know what the air is like. You don't know if it's going to be cold or hot there. You don't know what clothes to bring. You don't know how much money you're going to need. You just have no idea. If you have never been there and you don't know all these parameters, it's very hard to plan. Therefore, this question is just wrong at its very core. How? Tell me exactly how long it's going to take me to get to native-like fluency. It sounds exactly the same as if you ask someone to answer the question for you. How long will it take me to find my calling in life? How long will it take me to be happy? How long will it take me to live a fulfilling life? I promise to do all your exercises. I promise to be present at every online session. And I promise to listen to you, coach. Tell me how much time exactly will I need 
to become a happy and fulfilled person? It's a a ridiculous question. A coach can give you a rough estimate, maybe a summary of the experiences of other people, but it wouldn't be a very professional thing to do, I believe. No coach in the world can actually answer the question for you because nobody knows. And you do not know either before you actually give it a try. What we know for sure is that life is finite. We all are going to die one day, right? This is what we know for sure. We don't know when, though. We all know, let's say, that someday the course will be over. When you sign up for a six-month course, you know exactly how long the course will take, right? It's something finite. We know that in six months it's going to be over. When you get into college, you know exactly that in two years' time you're going to get a degree. When you sign up for a professional course, you know exactly that in about three months you're supposed to get a certificate. This is what we know. These are very finite examples and it's easy to plan our life around these finite goals. But the question is this. Let's say you get a certificate about completing a course. Does this mean that you have become a better professional? You got a certificate that says you have taken a course on communication skills. Does this really mean that your communication skills have improved? No, it only means that you have taken X number of classes. That's it. It means you have put in an X number of hours and you were present online. But were you listening? We don't know. We might know that you spent two years in college, but were you actually listening in class? Are you actually ready as a professional to do the job that you were learning to do? We don't know. You see, if we look at it this way, we don't really know if it takes six months, if it takes two years. For some people, yes, it takes two years to complete to get a degree, but it takes a lifetime to learn the skill. Or it takes six months to complete a course on communication skills, but it takes about 18 months to actually change the way you behave, the way you speak to people, the way you listen to people. Attending class doesn't mean much, but you can plan how long it will take to attend the class. You can't really plan how long it will take to become a professional or how long it will take to develop a skill. I'm not saying all this to send a message that it's not even worth trying. No, on the opposite, I'm saying that I'm hearing you guys. I've been through this myself. I've asked myself these questions. I understand that they're rational, they're reasonable questions, and we're all very busy and we want to understand if we can commit because most people who ask this question they are ready to commit most people who ask this question they understand that it's it's an infinite process they believe in lifelong learning they understand that practice takes time and they are ready to commit to practice it's just they don't understand how to plan this practice and it's always new practice around the day that they already have and their day is already packed with different activities, with family, work, hobbies, all the other things. And they're probably learning many more things, not just a language. So how to find room in your day. 
I have come up with a strategy for myself which contains three important elements or maybe stages, I should say. The first one is optimizing, the second one is adapting, and the third one is innovating. And I'm going to give you examples from my personal life to explain what each of them means. Let's start with something that most of you can relate to, hopefully, which is working out, staying fit, being physically active. I've been working out consistently for the last maybe 15 years, and I started when I was a student. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just joined a group class, and I thought it's fun. It's cool to try. And I would skip a lot of lessons when I didn't have the time because I didn't really see the value. Okay, that's fun, but do I really need it? I can do without. But then a couple of years later, I realized that I want to be fit because I didn't like the feeling when I had to run up the stairs or run after the bus as a student. Uh, I had to do that very often and I would be out of breath. And I hated that feeling. And I was like, no, this is impossible. I'm running out of breath. I can't breathe, which means my cardiovascular system is just not working okay. I'm only 20 years old. And why do I feel like I'm a lot older? So I didn't like that. I wanted to be fit. And of course, I wanted to look gorgeous, right? So (laughs) I had these two big ambitious goals, but I had no idea how to achieve them. And I didn't know how to plan my workout routines around those goals and I tried a lot of different things that didn't work out because I planned too big I was looking at people who were supposed to motivate me and I even believed that they were my motivation but in fact they just delusioned me and all the examples that I'd been looking at were not about my life they were about someone else's life and someone else's goals I think my workout routine became clearer and I truly learned how to be consistent only after I had accepted the idea that this is for life. I'm doing this not to lose weight. I'm doing this not to see the desired number on the scale. I'm doing this not to make sure that my genes fit better. No, I'm doing this for myself and this is gonna take a lifetime. And after I made this decision that it's for life, I started optimizing. Okay, I agree that I'm going to do this every single day of my life. That is important because I see how much it's given me, how much I'm getting from it. How do I want my day to look like? Where is there room in my day for this? And I had to take a very honest look at my day. I was writing down everything that I was doing during the day for about two months. You know, no judgment, no analysis. I was just collecting facts about myself. What am I busy doing every single day? And after about two months, I started looking at my data (laughs) and I realized that I can categorize all the activities in my day into three categories. The first category was the things that I want to keep doing. They were good for me. The second category was the things I'm not sure about. Should I really continue doing them? Should I delegate them to someone else? Because they're taking so much effort and they're taking so much of my energy, you know. But I don't see who I can delegate it to at this point, so I keep doing them. And the third category was filled with things that I had no idea I was doing. 
I had no idea that I wasn't social media for so long. I found myself doing unimportant things for so long, you know, like watching videos for hours or planning something not significant and not important for hours too, or just a bunch of other things that I didn't even realize I was doing. And I definitely could cut that category a lot. So I started planning my day a bit differently, making sure that I do less of the things in the third category. It's impossible to stop doing all of them immediately. So I just started reducing them by 10% and then by 10% more and then by 10% more and leaving room for activities in the first category that give me energy, that fuel my creativity, that help me feel better. I started making room for those, not by adding hours to my day, because my day is finite, it's 24 hours long only, just like everybody else's day. I had to rearrange my day. Not, because if you keep adding things without removing anything, it's not going to work. But I wanted to make it painless. So after I realized the things I should stop doing, just because they're not good for me at all, I agreed to let go. And I started making room for things that were good for me. And this is how I found out that I can find 45 to 60 minutes a day for my workouts. Another thing that helped me understand that it's not as scary as it sounds, was timing myself. I love running and I've been running for over 10 years as well, on and off. But this past year, I've been running consistently about two or three times a week. And after I had realized that it takes me only 60 minutes to run 10K. And in 60 minutes, I'm done. And I'm already walking home. Running stopped being so big and important and scary. Because I realized that I can spend the same 60 minutes crawling through social media. And I will not even notice that it's been 60 minutes. I can spend the same hour doing very different things. But if I can't fit something good for me in the same hour, why do I fill this hour with not important things that do more harm than good if I can go for a run and I know that I'm going to feel energized for the rest of the day. When I learned this about myself and about how I run, I started optimizing even more. Whenever I look for a new apartment, I make sure that it's close to a park, a place where I can run. Because this doesn't work for me, driving somewhere where I can run. Mm -mm, I know that it doesn't work for me. Uh, or going somewhere by public transport because it's a beautiful location to run. No, I will not do this. I need to put in my running outfit. I need to get out the door, start running immediately and come back home running. I just make sure that it's been 10K because that's a comfortable number for me. Sometimes in summer when I feel like it, I run a bit more, like 12 maybe. But I do not exceed that number and I'm very okay with that. But it's important for me that it takes exactly one hour, no commute, no extra time. I get out the door, start running, come back running. I hop in the shower and I'm done. And that's it.
And that makes it very easy for me to find a room in my day for running. When it comes to lifting and other types of workouts, I used to go to the gym and it was also very important for me that my gym is very close to where I live. It used to be one metro station away from where I live, so that, that was very convenient. That was my first criterion. I wanted to be close to where I live. My second criterion was the time. The workout usually took me 45 minutes if I was in the gym. And together with commuting, changing, drying my hair, getting dressed, it all would take about an hour and a half. And this is how much I could afford. I couldn't afford to find three hours in my day for a workout, so I started optimizing again. If 90 minutes is what I can give, oh my goodness, my parakeet is interrupting me. He wants to be in the podcast as well, probably. <laughs> so if 90 minutes is how much I can give, that means that my workout can be 45 minutes max. What can I do within 45 minutes to make sure that I did a great workout that makes me feel good and that will actually give all the benefits, all the health benefits that I want from a workout. I want to get stronger, I want to be healthier, and I want to feel great. I want to have more energy throughout the day. So I started looking for workouts that would take me 45 minutes max, and I found them. And I would vary workouts, activities, routines, but I would never exceed this limit, 45 minutes. And I also learned that I can easily do a workout in the morning. There was also a time in my life when I would go to the gym at around 2 p.m. That also worked at some point in my life. That was okay. It doesn't work for me now any longer because I don't like my day to be interrupted this way. I prefer to do a workout first thing in the morning and then I'm busy doing all the other things. But that worked. And here is where adaptation comes in. So the second thing I was going to talk about is adapting. Once I learned to optimize, which was in the first place, it was about removing all the things I didn't need. And optimizing doesn't always mean reducing, removing, eliminating things. But in my case, and with so many people, it will work, I'm sure. It really means getting real about how much time you can afford, getting real about how much you can give to this activity, and getting real about, you know, how long you can stay focused. That was my number, 45 minutes a day. And at some point, I had to adapt because my, my schedule had changed and I had to find room for my workouts during the day. And that worked for some time. And then I got back to morning workouts. But I also learned that I can absolutely not do evening workouts. I already feel tired and, I mean, I can do it once in a while. I can do an evening workout, but it's not really working for me. I prefer to do it in the morning when I'm most active and when I'm most ready to move and do something fun. So I started with optimizing, trying to reduce this big goal. I want to be fit and look great to something more tangible. How much can I do today? How much time am I ready to give today? And then I started adapting. If my schedule changes, it doesn't mean I'm removing a workout from my schedule. I simply need to adapt and rearrange my day so that important things stay in my day. I just need to find room for them. Or maybe, you know, some days I do a 20-minute workout. 
Some days I lift, some days I only stretch, some days I do a very short workout, some, let's say, I do high-intensity training with a jump rope, or I do interval running, which also takes me not an hour, it takes me maybe 30 minutes max. It's a short workout. And some days I have more time to do a 60-minute workout, but I never exceed one-hour limit. This is how much I'm ready to give to my workouts. No more than that. Now, when I think about my running routine, some people might say that I haven't made any progress in 10 years. I've been running 10K ever since. Yes, I can do 12, I can do 15, but I don't do that. I'm running at pretty much the same pace. So what's the point if you're not making any progress? And I used to think that adapting means adapting your workload let's say it's easier with lifting because I started by learning the routine what is a safe way to do the exercises what is the safe lifting routine and when I'm ready to lift more I pick up heavier weights that is what I call adapting here I adapt the weight so that my current weight matches my current ability but with running I don't feel like running more. However, I don't feel that I haven't made any progress. So many people told me that I should run a marathon, but I know very, very clearly that if I run a marathon, I might probably start hating running. And I don't want to hate running. I want to continue running because I like it and I run to clear my head. Of course, it shapes my legs. Of course, It trains my cardiovascular system. Of course, it makes me feel lighter and energized. But I'm not competing with anybody. And if I analyze the progress that I've made in all these years, I can name a few things. First of all, I learned to run consistently. This was the first winter when I actually ran outside. Um, Before, I used to run on a treadmill in winter. But this year, I discovered that it's not as scary as I thought. You just need the right gear. You just need proper clothes. And it actually feels great to run outside in the park, in the snow. I learned to adapt my pace when I run in winter, when I run on the snow, because you run differently when your surface is, when your running surface is snow. You got to slow down, very different muscles are working. It might be slippery too. So I learned how to run slowly, which is something I didn't even think was important before. I also made quite a lot of progress in my form. It's easier for me to run and my form has become better, for sure. (laughs) I can see that. I learned to choose proper running shoes, which is also a big deal for me. I don't get tired anymore. That's probably... Something that I am very proud of. I can even forget two hours after a run that I did run today. I I forget. I don't feel like I'm doing more than I can handle. It's exactly right for me. And trust me, when I started running 10 years ago, I was dying. I was out of breath after the second kilometer. And I definitely had a feeling that it's just too much for me. But I was so stubborn that I... I wouldn't stop and I I would tell myself that I can do more, I can do it and all these things. And today I just take it easy 
And even though I take it easy, I definitely see the progress. I can handle more. That's the progress that I've made in many years. And probably the most important thing is that I haven't hurt myself in so many years. I haven't had any knee problems or anything, which tells me I'm, I'm doing something right. And that is priceless, to be honest. So progress is not only measured in the number of hours you put in and the number of kilometers that you have run. You measure it very differently and some things are very subtle. Some things are very lightweight, but at the same time they mean a lot and only you can sense them and only you understand what it means for you. Other people who are looking at how you run, they might jump to different conclusions, but they don't know anything about you, about your journey, about how much it has taken you, about what's going on in your head. They know nothing, so they can never tell you if you have made any progress, you know better. They're only judging by what they see. You know so much more. I'll probably have to split this podcast into two parts because there's so much to say about it. And when it comes to examples, there is so much to talk about. The second example I want to bring is horse riding. I started taking horse riding lessons about two years ago. And I had no idea how long this would take me to learn to ride a horse. And honestly, I didn't even ask my coach this question. I just had this feeling, this burning desire to learn to ride a horse. I don't really know where it's from. It had just been sitting in me for years. So finally, I decided to find room in my day to learn horse riding. And again, I started looking around for places next to where I live because I realized I wouldn't find the time and I wouldn't commit to long commutes. So I found something that was very close to where I lived and I started my horse riding lessons. I could commit to one lesson a week. I knew nothing, nothing about horse riding. I only knew that I liked horses, but I had zero skills. I didn't even know why I needed this and where I'm going to apply this knowledge, but intuitively I felt that this is something I wanted to do. So optimizing for me was Finding a place close to where I live, finding a means of transport that would take me there very quickly, and finding a good coach, obviously, so that lessons bring value and I learn something. Only now, after about a year of taking horse riding lessons, I can say why I'm actually doing this, because I had no idea at the start. I changed a coach, a about after about two months because and I changed the stable and I changed the horse because I realized that it was just not sustainable and it was a too low standard for me I wanted something more and I I felt that I was ready for something more and I wasn't really learning much over there so I wasn't receiving that kind of feedback that I wanted uh, and I started looking around for a better coach. And only now, a year later, I actually know why I do horse riding. And I can answer this question to myself. I am doing this because I'm learning to communicate better. I know this may sound not so obvious at all. It may sound ridiculous too, but this is true. I'm learning how to focus and I'm learning how to balance because you need to have very good balance skills to ride a horse and to lead a horse. 
I actually communicate with a living being, with another living being, every damn second. That is indescribable, to be honest, but it responds to every impulse. The horse responds to everything I do. The horse goes when I tell it to go, and it the way it reacts to everything I do and the way it responds is fascinating because it tells me that I am in charge and I need to do something. I need to send a very clear command if I wanted to do something. It's a continuous dialogue and I like this communication. I like to be in a dialogue with a horse because we're talking, we're communicating and that is my goal. I don't know how long it's going to take me to learn to be an experienced rider. I honestly have no clue because I've been taking lessons once a week. This is how much I can give it right now. That is my pace. I'm going at my own pace and I don't feel it's necessary to pick up the pace at this point because I'm learning. I can feel the progress and I don't have a goal to compete, but I also don't want to stop. So I had to optimize and I had to find a solution that would work. A solution that works for me is consistency. I want to be consistent with it. So if I consistently go to classes every week, that's consistent. Yes, it's not intensive, but that's fine with me because I'm not preparing myself for any type of competition and I'm not in a rush and I don't feel bad about making slow progress because... I didn't promise myself any fast progress. No one promised me any fast progress, and I never even asked for that. So for me, this is an interesting activity that teaches me so much about myself, about focus and balance and my concentration and my confidence in a very different way. And I optimized it this way. Adapting here would mean changing the location, changing the coach. And I like my coach now a lot more. I like the place. It's even closer to where I live. And I had no idea that there is another place close to where I live. I can even walk there. So I adapted it even more. And I really feel that I'm learning. So that's where adaptation comes in. The third thing, which is innovation, will start a bit later. It's too early to talk about innovating here when it comes to horse riding. But I am definitely innovating when it comes to running, when it comes to working out when it comes to my English skills and when it comes to my cooking skills. Let's say something I'm going to talk about in the second part. But let's talk about innovating. What does it even mean? If we talk about running, well, probably there is not much to innovate here. For me, it's just a routine, but it's a beautiful routine that I enjoy a lot. And it's so easy to find room in my day for running. Now, if we talk about working out, I innovate a lot here. Variety is so important for me. So if running is something I rely on as a kind of boring and predictable routine, I know exactly what's going to happen. I know exactly where I'm going to run. I know exactly how long it's going to take me. I know exactly how I'm going to feel after the run. And this is what motivates me to get up, get dressed and get out the door because I know what I'm going to get in 60 minutes from now. Working out is fun. I need a lot of variety here. You know, some days I will do a stretching routine. Some days I will do um, a prep routine so that I can improve my handstand. On some days I will 
work in my upper body on some days I will do I will work with weights I will lift heavy weights and on some days I will do a jump rope routine and I vary the equipment I work with as well so innovating here means compiling my own workouts together because I know how every exercise works I know how to do it safely I know what every exercise does to my body I can put together my own workout and that motivates me a lot because I know what I'm doing. I know how long it's going to take and I know when and where to expect results. Let's say if it's a leg day, I know exactly what I'm focusing on and I know that the results will be showing very soon. So to me, this is innovating. You can only innovate when you already know the routine, when you know the basics. As I say, you can break the rules once you know the rules. I do use a platform that suggests uh, workout routines, ready workout plans. And what I like about this platform is that it gives variety. There are thousands of ready workouts there. And I love that they're so different and that each exercise is explained in detail because it's important to do them with a proper form so that you don't hurt yourself. And when I change those ready workouts, I innovate. When I replace some exercises with the exercises I like better, I innovate. When I change the weight that I'm supposed to be working with, I innovate. When I increase the intensity, I increase the amount of reps or I reduce the, the amount of reps, I innovate. When I do one workout right after another workout that's suggested on the plan, I put both of them together, I merge them, I innovate. And the fact that I bought the equipment I need at home, let's say kettlebells, a mat, a pair of dumbbells, a resistance band, what else do I have? A couple of sliders. The fact that I organized my home so that there is room for workouts and the fact that I have the equipment ready, all I need is just to roll out the mat. And I have the clothes that I will enjoy wearing during a workout. This is adapting. I created the conditions for myself and I adapted what, ne what was necessary to adapt so that I enjoy my workouts. I've been doing home workouts only for this past year and it feels great. I've gotten stronger. I've learned a lot of new moves that I didn't even know I can do. I improved my handstand. And I learned to be attentive to, to my form. I never had the time to be so attentive to my form before because I was busy commuting. I'm not saying it was a bad thing. It was just a different experience. But I used to work out three or four times a week. Sometimes I would do it five times a week. But, but now I actually learned that I can fit in a workout every day. There is room for a workout like this, for a home workout, in my everyday I didn't know this about my day before. I didn't know that it was possible. I didn't know that it can feel good. I had this fear that I could feel exhausted or I could overdo it or that I'd be in pain or something like that, you know. But turns out that it's very doable, at least for me, and it helps me to stay mentally focused. This is where innovation comes in. When I improvise based on what I know, and based on all the experience that I have. When it comes to language learning, I apply absolutely the same principles. First, you got to optimize, then you have to adapt, 
And then you enjoy innovating because innovating means creating. And when you are in this creative flow, it feels so awesome because you feel you are in charge. No one is telling you what you need to do tomorrow. You are in charge and you make decisions and you can see the impact of your own decisions. You can't really innovate unless you're ready to take this responsibility. That is also an important thing to understand. And I believe that the question that we started with, the reason why people ask this question so often is that people want to skip the first stages and they want to go to the third one. They want to be perfect at what they want to learn to do too soon. (laughs) Because innovating means You can improvise and you can only improvise when you can do it perfectly. When you know the basics perfectly well, you can definitely improvise. You need to have a very solid foundation first, which means you need to learn how it works. And this always takes time. This optimizing and adapting take a lot longer than innovating. On the one hand, it takes longer because it feels longer. You're, you're learning, you're lost, you don't know what you're doing. But this is actually a finite process. It takes a very limited amount of time to learn a skill, to optimize it, to adapt your environment so that you can continue doing it, no problem, and you feel joy doing it. This is a finite process. And then when you are ready to innovate, when you are ready to create, then you don't really feel like you want to stop and then this infinite journey begins it's just most people don't really know how long it's going to take them to learn to optimize and to adapt even though it's always a finite process it's just we can't really know how long it's going to take us we know that a child usually starts walking when they're about 12 months old but when does your child start walking exactly no one knows But we know that the child is going to get there. We know for sure. I know for sure that at some point you will get there. At some point, if you're consistent, you will learn to optimize. You will understand what you need to include in your daily practice routine. And you will learn to adapt your day. If you do not stop, if you continue adapting, you will get there. It's just, it's a question of time. If I did horse riding lessons three times a week, I would have gotten to where I am now a lot sooner. I know that. But when I started, I had no idea how long this would take me. I can only say now after almost 12 months of consistent training. And I did miss a few classes because I was sick, because I was busy. But nevertheless, I've been consistent. You know, even if it feels like you're on a new road and you're driving to to nowhere, you're driving somewhere where people say it's cool, but... You don't really know what it looks like and you can't really tell if you have arrived and you don't really know uh, how much longer. I know you will get there. You will. I know that it feels uneasy not knowing when exactly, but this is life and this is exactly what you're here to find out. How long does it take you to learn? How long does it take you to recognize what road we're on? How long does it take you to use all this knowledge that you have gained and to apply it in everything you do in life. Because you're not learning English. You're not learning horse riding. You're not learning to work out. You're learning so many different things about yourself. As I said, 
I do horse riding because I'm learning to communicate and to focus and to balance. I improve my English skills because I'm also learning to communicate better. I'm learning to think clearer. I'm learning to teach better. And I'm working out not because I want to work out better, but because I want to be healthy and I want to feel good. The benefits it gives me, they're countless. <laughs> I can spend all day naming the benefits. This is why I know exactly why I'm doing this. We're going to talk about other examples and finally language learning in the second part of this podcast because I feel that can be too much if we try to jam everything in one part. But I hope I give you enough prerequisite to get ready for the next episode. And if you guys have any questions about what I have been speaking about today, please ask me in the comments or please share your experiences. Please tell me which stories resonated with you or which stories didn't. Uh, that would be exciting to talk to you and to share insights and to share thoughts. I just want to let you know that I apply absolutely the same principles when it comes to improving my language skills, and they have been working for years. They work. I keep doing it not because I want to improve my language skills, but because I'm learning so much about myself, and I'm learning to learn. And when I, whenever I want to pick up a new thing to learn, I already know how to build my day, how to organize it, and how to make the most of it. It will still feel new at the very beginning, but I already know that the optimizing and the adapting stages are finite. I just don't know really how much they're going to take right now from where I am today. It's not very visible, but I know I will get there. And then I get to choose if I want to keep innovating. Because with running, let's say, I think actually, you know, I do. What I started doing right now recently, oh, actually, that's, that's good. It's something I remember just now and it's something that I realized just now. I use running as, as I said, as a repetitive activity that helps me clear my hat. And I know that it's going to take one hour. So I do a lot of other mental exercises when I run. I'm learning the self-regulating exercises, for example. And all it takes is time so you have to do them in your head you don't have to be in a specific place it's just like meditation you know or doing some mental practices you don't have to sit in a specific position you don't need to be in a certain place you can do them anytime and I do them as I run because my mind is kind of empty and I just do them non-stop all these exercises in my head as I run so this is how I think I started innovating so I'm combining the physical activity and the mental work i think i found a way to fit them both of them in this 60 minute interval well that's it for today leave me a comment if you have any and i'll speak to you soon